0: Hello and welcome to The Sound of Architect, I am down at CCP in Newcastle and I am joined by, by John McCamish and Ash Reed and thanks for joining us today, we're going to be talking about EVE Valkyrie. how are you doing today guys? Not too bad, thanks man. So EVE is a challenge right, VR, your first VR title?
1: Yeah, it's first VR title for many guys at the studio and across all disciplines it's had difficulties, roadblocks, but it's just things that we had to work around. Luckily for us, it was just a case of making sure we could clearly portray what's going on in the game, what the player needs to know, whether they're going to be about to die or whether they're about to kill someone. It's just important to make sure the mix is nice and clear. So we didn't experience as many roadblocks as other people in the studio, but it was an interesting challenge, to say the least. Yeah, I think
2: because um, what, what um, we've maintained all along with Valkyrie is that the game has been built for VR from the ground up so rather than being a a regular kind of computer game for 3d it's you know been developed specifically with vr in mind so we had to look at it from that point of view right from the beginning we couldn't just design audio for a standard computer game and then kind of attempt to bolt vr onto the top of it by just applying plugins and spatialization techniques and stuff like that so we just had to consider right from the get-go about what we wanted to get across to the player while they were having this experience, being that that would be a slightly more immersive experience than playing a game without an HMD on if you just sat in front of
0: your TV at home. So, do you think that was easier or harder? The fact that you knew from the get-go it was going
1: to be VR.
2: Yeah, I think definitely because we uh, enabled us to make decisions about how Hollywood we would make the game, for example, how we would strip it back. You know, um, we've we've looked at some some other. Quite fast-paced first-person shooters, and looked at the way they've done things in terms of providing more information to the player in terms of gameplay, where they are within the game, who's behind them, you know, where people are moving. We, we didn't necessarily want to immerse immerse people in this great showpiece kind of stylistic world where it was constant explosions and constant, you know, gratification from the audio. We wanted to make the audio um, informative first and foremost, and then add on to that. So I think that's where we're at at the moment. I think what we've got is um, a functional soundscape
1: primarily for VR. Yeah, it did make it easier knowing that it's VR from the ground up because we didn't have to worry about things like just translating from 2D to 3D. We didn't have to worry about any of that. So we stayed in the VR mindset and it was purely a lot of it was trial and error. And, okay, did we play a play test and we go, okay, did you notice this? Did you know this was happening? Yes, no, back to the drawing board, give it another go. Yeah, it definitely made things a lot easier, knowing that it's just VR from the ground up.
0: And you guys are the only two on the sound designer side of things, right? I mean, how's it been being the only two people on the audience? Uh,
2: yeah, not too bad, because it means that we get to control a lot of what we do, actually, which isn't too bad. We don't design anything by committee, as such. We also work quite independently of each other. We've worked together for quite a while, and prior to this project we worked together a little bit as well on other titles, so there's quite a bit of trust, I would say, I'd hope to say. We do play each other what we do, you know, we check each other's work, um, and we swap our own, swap our opinions, but ultimately we keep a free reign over what we do, so Ash might go off and, you know, in the, in the, in the time that he's working on a particular area of the game, he might just come up with new ideas, discover new things and uh, we don't deliberate on it too long. If it's something he wants to do, and see he does it, he comes back with this thing. One, one, for, one thing, for example, uh, would be a system of uh, interactive music that he came up with, which, um, again, I think I was saying earlier, I like because it sparks. It doesn't fill yeah. the whole game with music, and it allows the, it doesn't ruin the VR illusion. So, it's it, again, it's quite informative. Music for the player, it lets the player know when the round is coming to an end and things like that. And yeah, it's not for no, it's, like it, it, it's not music no. specifically for aesthetic purposes, which has kind of been maybe not a rule, but it's been a useful guideline for us that we needed to sort of start off with this process. Why we're making, you know, an informative soundscape for the persons playing the game, being that it is a, a third-person shooter, and also it's a very immersive experience, and so. You, you really do need to know what's around you because there's, there's a lot of decisions to be made in the gameplay and, and quite quickly as well, depending on your class of ship and weapons you're using and strategies that you may have with teammates and so on. So
0: Yeah, definitely. I can imagine your, uh, your audio coders have quite a lot to do. So. We've
1: been quite lucky because um, we don't have a designated audio coder, although Robert Clark, who's done a majority of the code work for us. If we know some, another programmer in the team is working on something specific, whether it's UI in the front end, we go have a chat with them and every person here is more than happy to, as long as we catch them at the right time, they're more than happy to put in the audio hooks we need so we don't have to chase them up two weeks later after they finish the feature and go, oh, could you add this audio hook? So it, we, we had to time things pretty well. Quite a couple of times things slip through, but then we chase them back down, don't we, and get the work done that needs to be done. Yeah. Everyone's been really helpful, just chipping in towards the soundscape anyway.
0: And how have you found the respect for the audio side of things on this project? I
1: would say people
2: take it quite seriously in the studio. I mean, um, we are quite a small studio. There's not... You know, there's, there's just above 30 of us here now and um, everybody's keen on the audio being well developed. Um, people do give us feedback on the audio when they notice new things have gone in. So people are, you know, recognising when there are new features that have helped them in, in the gameplay, for example, when yeah. they've gone, oh, I really like this bit where you did something and it, you know, the sound was very specific, I knew exactly what happened. So we, we get feedback like that all the time. And there are quite a lot of people in the studio who are able to play the game wearing headphones and listening to the audio and playtests. And just in their general day to day um, work, obviously, art doesn't enable people generally to do that. As you know, most artists sit and listen to music or audiobooks while they're they're working. But obviously, QA are listening to audio and the coders are. But yeah, I think, um, I mean, in general, that genre. In the genre, you know, audio is becoming more significant, isn't it? As we know, it's becoming a more appreciated part of each game as we have the ability to do more and more with it on any particular kind of style of game or platform. So, yeah, on
1: on, on the flip side, you um, obviously, if you spend a lot of time on a certain feature, say just a score for a map or just a bunch of sounds for a new weapon, um, obviously, you're going to want to get feedback on that. But with Audio on any project—it's going on top of other people's work, and when they're play testing, they're obviously going to be wanting to check out the stuff that they've done. Yeah. It's working, and for quite a few people at the office, they do. Every now and then, they stick their headphones on and they—they they actually come to us afterwards and say, "Oh, played the game of audio for the first time in a while. It's been quite a nice <laughs> surprise. I quite like it." And we're like, "Yeah, I'm good." <laughs> so.
0: Well, you say earlier that it's a functional soundscape, which mm. sort of ties in with what we were talking about before, about updates and stuff. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's a lot of area, uh, sorry, room for you to explore more updates in terms of audio?
2: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, the, the 3D spatialization that we're doing already for the Oculus is a really cool tool for allowing people to hear where things are. There are obviously lots of other parameters that you can... Used to convey information back to the player, such as how damaged their ship is when it fires the guns, for example, or when it collides with other things. And that's something we're not quite doing at the moment, but it, it's, it, the it, it's a case of having time to do these things. So, um, you, you know, in the in future, you may find that as you're firing weapons on your fighter, you'll hear more resonances from the cockpit if it's damaged, and so on. And again, it's just, uh, you know, it's a it's audio feedback for the player that gives them some sort of you, you know useful information about their state of play in the game, rather yeah. than as w- as well as obviously hopefully being an enjoyable and an immersive experience. Um, we initially always seem to start off on the tack that what we do is in somehow conveying information to the player. I think which is a useful a useful thing in a first person shooter you know, in that kind of style of the game. And
1: yeah. Certainly for yeah. yeah, we definitely go in the roadmap to just breathe as much life into the ships as we possibly can and some people might say oh what's the point in doing this sound if no one's ever going to notice it but we believe that all games have easter eggs and many games have audio easter eggs as well someone might have the cockpit the glass of their cockpit really really cracked and then when they get away from the battle to take a breather then they go right i'm going to rejoin and boost and turn a few G's and then they'll hear the glass gently creaking. One day they'll just pick up on it and go, "Oh Jesus, oh, that that's freaky." Detail, yeah. yeah, that's that's where we want to get to eventually. I think it's so, good to have
2: that stuff under the surface in many ways because you can't listen to everything at once. No. There's only a certain amount of things that you can really push at the player, and you shouldn't really strive to create this perfect mix where everything you've done is going to be immediately obvious to the player all of the time. I think it's good to allow people to, like Astra says, you know, to, to get their own space in the game if that's what they're doing, or they might be in the scout mode and they've done something and suddenly realise there's a sound that's in a particular area of the cockpit they've never noticed before, such as a bit of smoke or a spark or steam coming out of there that is completely you know, located where it should be and helping to reinforce the, uh, the virtual reality.
0: Yeah, one of the things with virtual realities is that people seem to think there's going to be a lot more realism. All people don't realize a lot of the times that real is boring or mm. real is overwhelming, so yeah. there's still that creative aspect when it comes yeah. to sound design. So you have to prioritize
1: what the player needs to know, still. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, we go full, all out, full blown, visceral sound design, and then when we have a breather, we can scale it back. Um, one of the things we've not really advertised as much as we would like, but we're gonna add it to um, FanFest next week is um, to highlight the fact that we will have, well, we already do have audio configuration options in the uh, main menu. We've got simple things just like treble and bass boost, but we also have this, um, what's the, uh, the name of the slider? Um, audio enhancement, which is basically um, enables you to
2: scale down the amount of audio that you hear outside of the cockpit. So if you like, for example, sci-fi shows like Outside go where they stylize the audio in space, so it's low-passed and boomy, and it's it, you know it's it's not basically as audible as, as it would be with air uh, yeah. in the environment. Or if you turn down to zero, you'll literally be getting an experience a bit more like say the film Gravity, whereby none of the sound design in the film is audible unless something is in contact with you, yeah, or itself so through the exactly. Yeah. So what we've done is we basically used a system of um, attenuation and low-pass filters that are you know, hooked up to the slider. There's some reverbs going on in the cockpit as well, so basically you can, on a sliding scale, you can go from hearing everything in the game to gradually, gradually filtering out everything outside of the cockpit, unless yeah. it's in contact with the cockpit, or it's, say for example the guns, which are external to the cockpit, start firing. You'll always hear a little bit of resonance from them. Yeah, Um, It's
1: literally like a crossfade between arcade
2: and pseudo-SIM, really. Which is something for the sci-fi fans, and it was something that I decided to add in after speaking to fans at last year's FanFest, and a lot of people were saying, how are you going to cope with the fact that there's no sound in space? And a couple of journalists asked me this as well, and I said, well, okay, first and foremost, we have to provide people with a game that's playable, that, that has the audio that they would expect. And then I start thinking, well, why can't we just have both, give people the option that if they want to, it's a niche thing that most people may not want to do, but at least it gives people the option. If they really have a beer in their bonnet about it, they can turn yeah. that stuff down, they can enjoy it in whichever way they want. And I thought, well, you know, it's not a lot of work to do. I'm not sure if it's been done before, so I just thought we would do that. And uh, yeah, it's just sitting there waiting for people to discover it, really. So I want to have an audio cue from the ship's computer that informs you what that slider does when you first look at it the very first time, which we're gonna add in on the next content drop and then maybe as people are looking through the settings they'll they notice that it's there and have a play around. Even just even if it's just for five minutes of fun, just to hit yeah. you know, and then go back into the game and you'll hear the music as normal, unless you turn it down and you'll hear the you know, the sound effects from inside the cockpit. And anything else but none of the explosions <laughs> or <laughs> ship flyby's or any of the things that you would normally need to play <laughs> the game yeah but it's a novelty thing it really is it's just something that i think just provides a little bit of fun and interest for people that want to you know try it out
0: so i thought why not yeah we're well, staying on the kind of creativity versus realism thing obviously you're working on a sci-fi game mm. But you want to create made-up sounds, mm. but they appear realistic in the in the context. Mm-hmm. So how how do you combat that?
1: Oh, it's, it's been quite. Just looking at the um, just the law of the game. I mean, the the law for Eve Online is absolutely vast. It's yeah. huge, but they just put nice bite-sized chunks of it into Valkyrie, and um, basically part of the law is because of how expendable the players' characters are, which are clones, all of the ships that you fly in are all made as fast as possible. So they're just, I will not say rust buckets, but they're like Meccano <laughs> chucked together. Yeah. Cheap, because it doesn't yeah. matter
2: if they're... custom yeah. jobs, these, yeah. these ships that are put together by the pilots that fly oh, was- them and so on to, you know... I guess, for want of a better explanation, it's a bit Mad
1: Max. Yeah, you know? a bit of space. It was <laughs> to be looser, more raw, more dirty with art, artifacts. I mean, we've rarely ever had to worry about... The words purity and clarity never really came into the whole sound design kind of thing, especially with the weapons and the impacts, and we just wanted it to be as visceral and raw as possible. Because it's, totally, I mean, it's the fact that you are a clone that has had a consciousness downloaded into it with a life expectancy of what 45 seconds or whatever. It's it it's just all tight. It it just falls into place already really well, and it's be it's quite a nice like I said loose approach to it and um again as John said earlier on with the whole ship um degrading in health and things start to fall apart we can just get even nastier with the sound design and have stuff tied to an RTPC that is attached to your ship's hull and then when that goes down things are getting more rattly when you push your boost you'll hear the engine start to well I wouldn't say choke or anything it's not a steam engine Mm -hmm. Not steam set particularly but yeah. that kind of thing <laughs> i think like we are quite
2: inspired by retro sounds often we haven't used any recordings of retro sounds in the game as such but we've sort of discussed sounds that old fashioned electronic and computer equipment makes yeah. whether it's a dot matrix printer or something like that and i know some games have used that that sort of stylized element in their, you know, yeah. in their products quite well, uh, thinking of um, specifically Alien Isolation, yeah. which I liked yeah. a lot, and I really really yeah. loved the way that sounded when we listened to that um, last year, obviously after it won the audio, after we really noticed that they'd gone for this fantastic retro, retro sort of sensibility design, on that. Yeah. Gorgeous, computer thing, and, and, yeah. and, and, and that's sort of quite an inspiring thing. Being someone who grew up in the 70s, I remember all that stuff quite well, you know. So. Well, I was going to so, say,
0: it reminds me more of like a Firefly yeah. alien type, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of retro mm-hmm. sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Effect, I think, I think that flies yeah. to it's our fun game, fun. I
2: think, because, you know, these ships, being, albeit they're in a different universe to ours, but the, the put-together, homemade kind of style of the ships and so on yeah. lends itself quite well to us exploring those avenues. It's something we're going to continue doing as well. Um, and continue to um, try and develop as new th- as new things come along in the game, whether
0: it be new ships or new weapons or whatever. So what's been the biggest challenge so far working on eFoundary?
2: I think we're only a small studio, so obviously time is always the biggest factor in making any game. We want to create a soundtrack that's, you know, a triple-A game soundtrack between the two of us. Um, so that's obviously a struggle. We've been on this now. Since I came on the team, there's been both of us, that has been about 15 months prior to that. There was an audio lead here before, Alice, who you know. And Alice and Ash worked and populated the game with you know, lots of great sounds, and we've just built on that, really, um, in the last sort of 15, 16 months. The so time is certainly the, the biggest
1: challenge. The greatest challenge, and I think it's forgivable at a development level, because of just how new the medium is that we're working on, as any sound engineer would know audio comes in last and everyone in the studio was was just trying to use as much time as they can to just make whatever they're working on just work in VR yeah as good as they can and then once they once they've done that and signed it off and then we could jump on it and work on it so the audio's not 100% where we want it to be, but we've, we've got the future now to just any new re- relations or new techniques, new sounds, mm-hmm. whatever we can, we're just gonna just pump it in into the game with each update. The joys of modern gaming and updating. I can't imagine what it would be like working on a N64. <laughs> or a PS2 title, i just launch it and be like, right, that's it.
2: Yeah, one of the good yeah. things actually being that we're working on PC and next gen. Is that we haven't struggled for memory, resident memory, yeah. for the audio. It must be refreshing if, to yeah, not have to worry about we've it. We've been and, able to keep the quality high of the audio without compressing oh it too yeah. much and not worry too much about oh, you know, we've only got like a certain number of meg of audio RAM to work with, which has always been a struggle in the past with yeah. bigger games and so on. So that is nice, and we would like to optimize our game, but as as things stand, we've we've paid less attention to how much memory we use and more attention to what we really want to. Put in there sound effects wise,
1: so it's been quite a luxury from that point of view. Of course, we've had to do the standard um, voice playback optimizations. Just say, all right, don't play a billion voices at mm-hmm. once, and just That's... to keep things tied down and everything.
0: Well, yeah, there's no point overwhelming the player just because you can. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I would say real time effects have come in quite invaluable as
2: well. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah, there's, no, there's a lot of more time, time, process yeah. to run around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, we use we use uh, audio kinetic wise, which we're, we're pretty happy with it. It gives us a lot of options, basically. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful tool, very flexible, and um, we've learned a lot about it over the last year and a half for our purposes, you know, yeah. the kind of things that we want to do and the kind of sort of places we want to go with it as well in the future, which I think will will be, you know, there's enough to keep us busy for the rest of the year, really, in terms of improving on the, the overall soundscape. Um, but the other thing, I guess, that's a challenge is the new hardware and just yeah. looking at the new hardware, um, I mean it's great stuff, it's fantastic hardware, it's amazing to to use and to play with, but it is like getting a new piece of technology in your house, you just have to learn how to use it, how it's set up, how it integrates with your current equipment, Yeah, that just takes a little bit of time, you know, I mean, every, everyone, you know, all the manufacturers of the Sony or Oculus, you know, they, uh, they provide as much help as they can, I think, you know. The, they're great partners to work with, but it's it is very new, a new area. For, well, yeah, for some yeah, So it's quite nice yeah. that everybody's learning at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, we're all learning together. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just takes up a little bit of extra time just to get yourself acquainted, you know, acquainted with it and to get set up. Um, but I mean, there are updates all the time to hardware, there are updates to the software, the company's the hardware. That does take some some part of your dev time away from you. But then you know, it's a new field you know, and. That's going to be the same whether you're using just Unreal or Unity or whatever, that's also yeah, getting updated. Always yeah. There's always integrations to do, so it's just another element of that really added in on top. Um, so that's, that's a small
0: consideration, really, when you consider the benefits of it. You know, yeah, definitely. So. Okay, so we have got a fun question to finish off with yeah. then. Yeah. So, what's your proudest moment so far? What are you hoping the, the listeners and the players will really get from the factory? The proudest moment so far, I'll be finishing it. <laughs> in time for launch and actually managing to get everything,
1: everything Yay, that we needed Saturn. to do done in time.
2: Yeah, Because, um, you know, as as is always the case, there was a little bit of you know hard work toward the end. Um, for me, I really enjoyed going to FanFest last year when I was relatively new to the company and we did a, a video of the Convoy Chronicle and seeing the response on the ground from the fans there, I felt, you know, I got a good buzz from that. That was really an incredible moment when that was that reveal was, was yeah. played at FanFest. Don't think I can compare <laughs> anything else to that because i was, you know, we we'd worked hard on on what was just a video at the time, which was then later made into a playable chronicle. Yeah. But at the time we'd done quite a lot of work on the sound for the video and um, just helping to get that whole situation ready. And enable people to play a PvP tournament, which lasted over three days at FanFest, and seeing people, wow. you know, just queuing up and experiencing it,
1: and returning again and again. Yeah, and again. people coming round, queuing up five
2: times in a row while they were at the whole FanFest there, and just enjoying the experience there. Really, I felt incredibly sort of proud to to have worked on the product. So that would be the the pinnacle in terms of experience. But it was a very extraordinary experience, obviously. Going up to Iceland and taking part in that, um, yeah, and um, yeah. So we'll be back, back again soon. Ash is going this oh year. He's going over next week,
1: so looking forward to that. And then we reveal another another uh, element to the game. Excellent. Uh, For me, it, it's um, I'm sure I'll see it next week when I go to FanFest, But um, there's plenty of um, Valkyrie players um, and streamers who um, have put videos on YouTube. And the thing that makes me proudest working on this game is seeing how into the battle some people actually get yeah. I mean so quite a lot of the time the minimal is gritting, gritting teeth like when they play the heavy class for example and they get absolutely hammered because there's all sorts of different tactics you can get because heavies are quite tough to take down but again you just need a pack of wolves just circle them mm-hmm. and one time this guy thought okay I'm getting hammered I need to get out of there so he stuck on his micro warp drive It was charging he was getting hammered Greatness Steve and he just screamed, he just went ah! and he initiated it and then he got blown up and he just kind of like freaked and then laughed. He was laughing at the fact that the game made him do that. Yeah. And it's what made me want to get into the game audio in the first place, the fact that the sound can help get a reaction, whether it be an arcade shooter, a horror, racing, people definitely only appreciate it when it's not there. Yeah. They realise what they're missing a lot of people won't
0: notice what we've done, but it will be having an effect.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I can vouch for it, Eve Valkyrie. Even though I die a lot, it's been <laughs> it's been a fantastic game to play, and I uh, really appreciate you guys chatting to us today. Thank you very much. No, it awesome. time, right? it's, been okay, it's really looking forward to hearing more of it. Really, I'm sure. Thank you, mate. All the best.